Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along for the ride in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, it's the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. Check them out yourself in person. And we're off. Official fishy uh, line of the week. There he is. What? Okay. what? My, you another show that started. Right. You cut out. With, it was a good five seconds. It's not his. It's not his fault on this one, dude. Because before that, I looked up and he was talking, and I was like, "What's going?" And then I, I've been Ellised here on the board, and I had to figure it out. I was like, "Oh, wait, there it is." It's been a uh, bit of an adventure this week, hasn't it? Just it's been getting, a week getting the wheels yeah. off the ground and getting the plane into the air. Borky, it's Wednesday. It's been a week. Yeah, because we're doing that heavy lifting and digging ditches and all that good stuff, right? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because Kenny Dillingham Uh is now my favorite college football coach. We'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour, but I know that's conflicting with one of the teams we cover because they will play him in week two, and it's good for business if uh, Kenny Dillingham's team loses that game, but he is my new favorite college football coach. He he kind of he kind of put it out there for all of his colleagues, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And good for him for doing it. It's about time one of these spoiled millionaires that have worked really hard in their life, but they're millionaires now, have some perspective. Hold on, yesterday you were talking about people being compensated for excellence and they deserve to get what hey. they were worth because they were exceptional. So are hey, they probably I, millionaires or is it excellence? The, hey, they are, Lane Kiffin earned his salary last year, did he not? He did. He also doesn't. He, he doesn't complain like you've seen others do. But the the why the just the whining and complaining from millionaire football coaches about how hard their job is. Spare me. I don't want to hear it. And Kenny Dillingham is the exact opposite of that, and I love it. Again, five o'clock hour. We'll get to that. Sports Talk Mississippi Ceasefire text line. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. 601-879-4395. That's the way you connect with us, the way that we connect with you. Ceasefire helps you connect wherever you are, whether it's with home fiber, with fiber for your business, or with their wireless coverage. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, 
customer-inspired. Today is opening day, home opening day for Ole Miss. And, boys, you know what it is? It's 70 and sunny, as if there was ever even a doubt. It's actually a little bit warmer than 70. A little breezy. Mike on the ceasefire text line says, how do you like the weather I brought back from Hawaii? Can't remember the last time I didn't wear a coat to a home opener. I know I've never worn shorts before. You can get away with sh- Now, late innings, if you stick for the whole thing and you're in the stadium, might get a little cool if, if you've got shorts and a short sleeve shirt on. But it is spectacular once again today. If we could just rinse and repeat with this weather over and over and over, that would be fantastic. So you got Ole Miss baseball coming up at 4 o'clock. Mississippi State baseball coming up with 4 o'clock as well. Borky, whatever that thing is that happens with the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I forgot you were not in the studio. We're good. Mm. It's been a week, hey, Dad. It's I mean, been it a week. It's been a week. All right, I think we've got it taken yeah, care of. Yeah, we're good now. I, I just, it's, man, it has been, a, it's Wednesday, it's been a week, and no early bedtime tonight, because, you know, boo-hoo, woe is me, oh, awful. I'm but, so uh, tired of these millionaire radio these hosts cry baby thousandaires out there. Complain. Let me tell you about the millions I don't have, brother, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm dragging, just have not slept well this week, and, and I'll be up doing post-game stuff like like hey dad will and, and all the people that cover the game will but the eight o'clock tip is not going to be uh, my best friend considering how poorly i'm dragging this week i'm running on eight hours of sleep since sunday i think I just really haven't have had a hard time so well, we'll hang in there we'll uh we'll, we'll keep you in our Again, thoughts hope yeah there's all is all is well there are people out there listening working really difficult jobs right now uh listening to us thinking you arrogant, you know what? You shut up. But yeah. no, 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 not listening to us. And that's what they're thinking about you. Richard, not you, though. Right. Yeah. Uh, the eight o'clock tip that he's talking about is round two, of course, between Mississippi State and Ole Miss tonight. The venue is Humphrey Coliseum in Starkville, a sold-out Humphrey Coliseum, where Mississippi State is a six and a half point favorite over Ole Miss. Rebels coming into this game nineteen and six overall, six and six in Southeastern Conference play. Mississippi State seventeen and eight overall, an identical six and six mark in league play. This is a big game for both of these teams right now, according to Joe Lunardi. And all of the other bracketologists out there. I mean, maybe we should give Jerry Palm and others some due also. But everybody talks about Joe Lenardi. It's Joey Brackets. He, he's the guy that everybody pays attention to. Mississippi State, he has comfortably in the NCAA tournament. Ole Miss, anything but comfortable in terms of its position. But they are currently projected to be in the field of 68. A loss tonight, maybe not so much tomorrow. A win tonight. Maybe they significantly improve their position. Maybe Mississippi State's position slides to that uncomfortable spot. But a lot on the line for both of these teams. We were treated to a tremendous basketball game the first time Mississippi State and Ole Miss met. If we get that again, we'll just all consider ourselves lucky. Regardless of the outcome, hey, Dad, I said regardless of the outcome last time. You rolled your eyes a little bit. I'll say regardless of the outcome tonight, even if Mississippi State wins the game, if we get a repeat of the quality of basketball game that we got when they played in the pavilion about three and a half weeks ago, 
We are lucky because that was spectacular. It was a great game. I mean, if you're an unbiased observer, and no one in the pavilion really was that night. Not many. But if you were watching that, watching that game on television, you were treated to a fantastic college basketball game. We'll see if we can't get a uh, an encore performance tonight at the Humphrey Coliseum. What's it going to feel like inside the building? You remember we were talking about that. So leading into the first game, there was a lot of anticipation there was a lot of buildup. Ole Miss was playing pretty good basketball going into that. Turned out to be the largest crowd in the history of that building. And the second you walked in the door, you felt it. It felt big. There was a ton of energy. Is that going to be a repeat scenario tonight, but with a predominantly maroon-clad crowd? I believe so, yeah. I mean, we have a sellout crowd planned here in Starkville. Uh, you know, obviously baseball will be probably be done should be done by the time that, so everybody will make their way over from G Noble. Uh, and, uh, what? No, I mean, like, you're hoping I mean, for not having a four hour midweek baseball game. I know. Game. I mean, just, if baseball's not done by eight o'clock tonight, then, oh, buddy. There's some issues, yeah. I, I could see it, though. Um, yeah, I, I think you, you will have a very, uh, engaged and enthralled crowd and, and ready for a, uh, a big showdown with, you know, on top of the, the the stakes of this game as far as the NCAA tournament goes, this is Mississippi State versus Ole Miss. This this is in Starkville. This is going to be a heated game, even if these teams weren't in the postseason position they're in right now. Yeah. I've uh, got a bunch of guests coming your way. We've got three of them this afternoon. Tamaje Porter is going to join us in uh, about half an hour from right now. If you don't know who that is, you can be forgiven. We're going to introduce you to him. It's uh, a guy that is absolutely Worth talking about and talking with. He played at Delta State. Former defensive tackle was on that Delta State team that had such a good year. Defensive lineman that has got professional prospects and is hoping to get a chance. So we've talked with some former Ole Miss players. We've talked with some former Mississippi State players. We're going to get a sample of what it's like for a player from a smaller school in terms of the college football landscape who's trying to make it a run at being a professional post-college. He is a broadcast major. Uh, if he doesn't get a chance in the NFL, maybe the CFL, maybe the UFL, but we're going to talk with Tamaje Porter uh, about what his training's like, about what the uh, the, the build-up is like. Is there a pro day? Does he join on somebody else's pro day? Is it just the job of his agent to work out for scouts? We're going to find out all of those things from Tamaje Porter a little bit later in this 3 o'clock hour. Richard Williams will join us, color analyst on the Mississippi State Radio Network. That's to start the 4 o'clock hour. And we'll talk with John Sunvold, who was on the call the first time Ole Miss and Mississippi State met in the pavilion tonight. He will be in Humphrey Coliseum once again on the call for the Rebels and the Bulldogs. Always look forward to our conversations with John Sunvold and his insight into that. We'll talk some baseball this afternoon as well. We have to revisit yesterday's game in Starkville. Mississippi State ending up uh, in second place in their game against Austin P yesterday, which is not the uh, the desired location, especially for a midweek game early in the season. Mississippi State and Austin P play again this afternoon. Ole Miss and Arkansas State coming up. There were a number of upsets. I guess you call them upsets. There are a number of losses, maybe we should say, for SEC teams, good SEC teams yesterday in college baseball. So a ton to get to with you over the course of the next three hours. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Just getting started. We're back right after this at Sports Talk Mississippi. 
Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Yesterday afternoon in SEC baseball, Georgia beat Georgia State 15 to nothing. Kentucky knocked off Moorhead State 9 to 5. South Carolina beat Winthrop 12 to 2. Tennessee got a close 3-2 win over UNC Asheville. Texas A&M over Incarnate Word UIW 9 to 3. Uh two more home runs for uh Jace Laviolette. He has five home runs through four games for the Aggies. That's a pretty good start to the year. Alabama beat Middle Tennessee 6-1. Vanderbilt lost at home to fall to 2-2 on the year after an 8-5 loss to the Dayton Flyers yesterday. Florida bounced back from their season opening loss to St. John's with a 10-zip win over UNF, University of North Florida, in Jacksonville. Auburn beat UAB 7-2. And then there was the ball game in Starkville. If not for a guy named John John Gazdar... It would have been a better day for Mississippi State. But the short Star stop, Wars the Austin P. Say what? Is that a Star Wars character? Uh, I no. mean, maybe. Maybe it is off time. Yesterday, he just played the role of Giant Killer. He played shortstop, and he was three for four. He had three of Austin P.'s eight hits in the game. He drove in all three of their runs. All of that happening in the first three innings. Had an RBI single in the first inning to get Austin P on the board and give them a one nothing lead. Then he had a two run home run to straightaway center field to make it three to nothing. That was after three at bats for Austin P. Meaning that Mississippi State had a lot of time left to get back in the ball game. And they got back in it in the sixth inning with a sack fly from uh High well first it was um Bryce Chance with an RBI single, then a sacrifice fly from Ross Highfield made it three to two. But over their final nine outs, Mississippi State could muster no more offense, and Austin P got a 3-2 to two win over Mississippi State. I think there's a lot to talk about here, but I feel like you've got to start with what Mississippi State did on the mound. They had five pitchers in the game yesterday that threw. Evan Ciari started, Nolan Stevens, Brooks Auger, Cole Cheatham, and Cam Schelke. Did I say that right, hey, Dan? Schelke. Schelke. Those five pitchers combined to strike out 13 with zero walks. None. Didn't give up a walk in the entire game. They hit one batter, so only one free base runner in the entire game. And yet the story was Mississippi State's offense could do nothing against that Austin P. pitching staff yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a case of fix one thing, you know, and it's, you got a boat with a leak in it. So you plug one leak, but here comes the other. Now there's another hole and, and the boat continues to sink. At some point you got to get out of the boat or you're going to drown. And that's, that's where Mississippi State is right now. Uh, they, they, you know, it's only four games in, but their pitching looks infinitely better than it did a season ago. Yeah. This time last year, State, the, the, the troubles of walking batters and the defensive issues, we're rearing their head early and often. That's not the case this year. But now you've got a lineup that's got four guys hitting one through four who are all well over 300, 
and then the next five guys are all under 200 or sitting around 220 or so. So you've got five straight relatively easy outs in your lineup. It's just not working for Mississippi State. It just isn't working. Now, am I surprised by this? No. Oh, I am not. I, I knew that this team was going to struggle. This team has lost games like this for two seasons in a row. What was this team's record this time last year after four games? It was 2-2. Two and two. They had lost a game to VMI. They had lost a game to ULM in the midweek. This team is 2-2. Two and two. The difference is with this, the schedule this team has, they're about two more losses away from you not having to worry about them for postseason play anymore. So you know, they can't afford to lose another game this week. If they do... You know, we can start writing obituaries pretty soon with this team, I feel. You said you're not surprised. And I get that you're not surprised with the record. But are you a little surprised that the offense has had such an issue through the first four games scoring runs outside the Sunday game where they put, mm-hmm. what, 10 on the board? Yeah. It's been low scoring. And they got eight in the Friday game, but it was late. Um, a little surprised, but at the same time, I, you know, with Mershon and Kohler out, those are two bats that you're you're relying on, so that's a problem. And you know, they just didn't go out in the transfer portal and, and get a difference maker, you know, at some of these positions. Connor Hijack, I'm, he's a good athlete, but he, he's just not a great hitter. You know, they put a lot of eggs in the Braden Montgomery basket, and now he plays in College Station. Um, and then they didn't really have another guy after that. Highfield uh, at catcher. And they brought in a couple of other catchers, but neither one of these guys are big bats. They're good defensive players, but none of the guys, these guys are big bats. So Highfield's DHing today, and hopefully he can get his bat going because that's a guy who I know can can provide a little pop. So I, I'm, I get, I'm more surprised that the pitching has been as good as it's been than the hitting has been as poor as it's been. But I'm just not surprised that they're struggling. I know this feels like a little bit of a role reversal as it pertains to, to Mississippi State baseball, where it sounds like I'm kind of pumping sunshine, and, and I don't mean to be that, and I'm not trying to convince you of anything that you don't believe. Legitimate question, though. Hmm? Marshawn gets back. Will, will he be back? How, how serious is – how long is he out? So, there, there's some hope that, you know, we talked to – when we talked to Chris Lamonis Monday, he said Kohler could be back this weekend. There's some hope right. that Marshawn could be back around that same time frame. Okay, so let's say both of those guys are back within a week, whether it's this weekend or midweek games next week. Do you not believe that this offense probably comes around a little bit? And if you continue to pitch it well, then there's an opportunity for this team to be better? Yeah, there's an opportunity, but are they going to do it? I mean, we've had two years and four games of this. At what point is it is it stop? Does it stop being a fluke? And it's just what this program is right now. Hmm. Now I've reached that point. I reached it last season where I thought they needed to make a change. I was surprised they didn't make a change. And now at this point, you know, it, it looks like I mean we're just a few months away from making a change. Yeah, I saw some people yesterday doing the, well, see, Wake Forest, number one team in the country, they lost a midweek game. It happens. It's not the it's same. Like, but, but they were really, really good last year, and they swept the weekend. They, they played in the College World Series a season ago. Mississippi State didn't make the SEC tournament, and they haven't made it for two straight seasons. They you played can't, in the finals, those are apples and oranges. finals say, of the College World yeah, Series. Say, 
Yeah, they were a game away from playing for the national title. And, you know, Mississippi State oh, has right. not been there these last two years. So, they, yeah, you can't make the, you know, people were doing the same thing with, with, with Vanderbilt losing last night. It's, it's, it's not the same. It is not the same. You know, those teams have a little credit in the bank that they can lean on when they lose a game like this. Mississippi State is, is delinquent in its payments. Hmm. Well, we'll see if the repo man's coming or if they're able to figure out a way to generate some revenue to, uh, to slow down those late. Sorry. Who is it? I, Kyle on Twitter that calls me the analogy god. Hey, Dad, taking my crown. Yeah, and then I just couldn't help myself and tried to add to it, which probably shouldn't have. Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. When do we stop making excuses for Lamonis? I think Brian Haydad has reached and surpassed that point. That's near one. No. Yeah, there's there's no excuses at this point. And, you, and look, you had, you've had two off-seasons to fix this, and you can't. And you, you were in on some big you – know, two years ago, State finished second for Paul Skeens. Last season, they finished second for Braden Montgomery and Luke Holman. But getting second, finishing second, gets you nothing. Gets you absolutely nothing except last place in the SEC West. Bulldogs and Austin P coming up this afternoon. Do, do we know what State's doing on the mound today? Uh, going with Tyson Harden on the mound today, which is an, an interesting uh, choice, in my opinion. Why is that? My guess, I'm sure they'll go whole step. Uh, he wasn't particularly sharp. Uh, this past weekend, and this is a guy, I, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you, he's a guy I'm surprised is still on the roster. Because last season, he his ERA was a 14, and teams hit 412 against him. All right. I thought that was a guy who would get processed in the offseason, but he didn't. Amani Larry leading off, playing second base. Dakota Jordan batting in the two-hole today, playing in right field. Hunter Hines at first, batting third. Uh, Bryce Chance is hitting in the cleanup spot today, playing in left. Ross Highfield DHing. Uh, Connor Hujak, center fielder. Hijack. Hijack. I was telling Haydad that a a couple of my friends are are having fun with uh, what what that name could be if you sound it out just in order without Yeah, yeah, let's not. We'll just go (laughs) hijack and and move on. Uh, We we just will. Um, Nate Chester at third base today. Johnny Long catching. And Dylan Cup is the shortstop with Tyson Harden on the mound. So Mississippi State and Austin P coming up at four o'clock. Let's talk a little bit about Ole Miss and Arkansas State when we come back. Uh, we'll do that a little bit later. We'll actually go to the Farm Bureau guest line when we come back. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau up next. We'll talk with former Delta State defensive lineman Tamaje Porter. Back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. To Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. We're going to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, 
Mississippi Farm Bureau. Tamaje Porter joins us, a former, former now defensive lineman at Delta State University, a team that went 10-2 and last year, and he was a big part of the reason why that defense was as good as it was. Tamaje, it's great to visit with you. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. All right, the first thing I'm going to tell you, so we've, had, we've got the, the picture of you on our video stream from the Delta State website, and I think this is a good omen for a guy that wants to play professional. You look yes, to me like a spitting image of an 18, 19, 20-year-old Terrence Metcalf. I, I, do okay. you know Terrence at all? Yeah, um, I think I ran into him a few times down at uh, Cahoma when I was right. uh, I went to school down there. I think he's the he might be the head coach out there now, but uh, I do remember running to him a, a few times. Well, if if your career can can go the way his did, uh, it's going to be great. And so I think that's a good omen for you. Um, uh, let's start out by talking a little bit about the uh, the season that that you guys had this year. I know disappointing whenever it comes to an end, uh, tough loss in that second round of the playoffs. But overall, a ten win season. You get into the playoffs. You're right there. You guys had to be proud of the way that, that this year went. Um, I mean, just to speak on the guys that we had, man, we brought in a group, uh, I think on the defensive side, uh, my first year, eight out of the 11 on the field. That was our first time ever suiting up for the Statesman. And after the, the first season we had together, I mean, we just knew we could run it back. And, you know, ultimately the goal was a national championship, as, you know, everybody's goal is when they set out at the beginning of uh, the off season, But... I mean, we, we ran through everybody, and we just knew we had something special going. So um, all the credit goes to, to the guys in that locker room, that coaching staff. Everybody just showed up every day, and we worked our ass off for one another, man. I can't speak enough to how hard we went for one another. Tamaje, i got to ask you about one game in particular, because this is a game, in my mind, that defensive linemen absolutely dream of. The first-round playoff game against West Florida. Nine tackles, two tackles for loss. You had a sack in the game. You forced a fumble. Defensive linemen don't get nine tackles in a game. That's not how your <laughs> position is supposed to work. Right, right. We um, Well, the defensive coordinator, Coach Al, and my defensive line coach, Coach Widener, they, um, they just hammered film, man. We kind of knew... As the season was going along, um, we would match up with West Florida come uh, first round. We had a good feeling about that. So the week leading up uh, before, because I think we played MC the last regular season game, and, you know, no discredit to MC, but we just knew if we woke up right, uh, we would get them out of there pretty easy. So we just went into the end of MC week, and we just hammered all the film we could on West Florida, and I think I can remember, man, I just I studied. I studied so much, and I just remember coming to that game. I knew everything that was coming. It wasn't a play they ran where I wasn't at least telling my guys, you know, where it's going, let alone getting there when the ball was supposed to be there. So you, you want your football career to continue, and uh, given your size and the production that you had, it, it certainly feels like that's an opportunity. Tell me about this this off season in terms of of getting ready uh, to perform for scouts, to perform for front office people. Everybody's dream is the NFL, um, or at least most everybody's dream. It's the NFL. Talk, talk to me about what it's been like since the season ended. 
Um, at the conclusion of the season, I was able to uh, sign with Michael Portner. Uh, he's based out of Mississippi, specifically right. up there in Cleveland. And um, me and Michael got a plan together. I came down here to Pensacola, which is uh, where my mom lives, and pretty much the rest of my family um, on my mom's side. And I'm training with uh, Fred Robbins. Uh, he did 12 years in the league, I want to say. He was a part of the um, the Giants team that, that beat the Patriots when the Patriots were supposed to go undefeated. He was uh, the captain of that defense, actually. Yeah. And, um, and he's, a, he's a defensive line guru. Um, coming into his own with his own practice. He, uh, he trains a lot of guys. Two cats he put in last year, uh, Byron Young and Kobe Turner, actually just set the NFL rookie record as uh, a duo with the most sacks. And um, that just speaks to, you know, the type of guy he is, the product he puts out. And so um, just going through training with him and another local trainer in the Mobile area, uh, Coach DeMarcus Moody, he's uh, helping me on the, the weight training uh, my speed, just to make sure I'm running good times, my agility and things of that nature. And just taking it all in, man, day by day, um, making sure I'm communicating with the right people. Um, I do have high hopes. I think there's a pretty good chance I get drafted. And if not drafted, I'll definitely be um, an early uh, rookie undrafted free agent pickup. Yeah. And uh, from there, I think I can just make it happen, man. It's just, you know, the, the work is on me at that point. Former defensive lineman Tamaje Porter visiting with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. So, uh, Tamaje, this just the, the truth of the matter. You, you have bigger schools that have pro days where lots and lots of teams come in. You've got the NFL scouting combine. That's by invitation only. What What is the opportunity for you to showcase your skills for NFL scouts? What, what does that look like? Um, so I'm a product of the South Mobile region. I graduated okay. from Theodore High School. So uh, my old high school head coach is actually at the University of South Alabama now. And I've just been communicating with him, trying to get in at the pro day at South Alabama. And if that uh, doesn't fall through for me, um, I'm going to go to the one in Jackson, Jackson State, I think, okay. the, uh, the, the regional one that they have. And the last time I talked to Coach Cooley, we we weren't having one, but there's supposed to supposedly rumors going around that we may be having a pro day. So uh, just wherever I get, man, I think I'll be able to put up good numbers. And um, I mean, I know football like I know putting my shoes on my feet, man. It's my football IQ is at the roof. So just being able to talk to the right people, you know, about the game, give them my knowledge. I think that has steered me in a, a good direction. Well, and, and there's got to be an element that, that makes you feel good because you've heard people say it a million times. If you're good yeah. enough, the NFL will find you because the NFL right. is full. I mean, obviously you got guys that went to Alabama or went to Georgia or Ole Miss or Mississippi State or whatever that are all over the NFL. But you've also got guys that played at the at the FCS level, and you've got guys that played right. at the Division Two level, and guys that played at the Division Three level. It's funny how those those scouts they figure out a way. If there's a guy out there that can play, they figure out a way to find him. Right. But you just, I, I think a lot of it also has to do with, especially in this generation, the transfer portal. Man, you got you know guys like myself, for instance. I was a four star Under Armour All American coming out of high school, and I. Ended up finishing my collegiate career at Division Two Delta State. That also, I mean, you got guys start at Alabama. They end up transferring. Things don't work out. You know, maybe coaches, uh, schools. They just don't like the environment. But the talent 
particularly now, is all over the, the country. It's not just set to the major power five and uh, a few of the dominant group of fives. The talent is everywhere. You got it at the Division One level all the way down to the Division Three level. I mean, it's, if, you, if you're good enough, the league will find you. And I think you know, that, that's true. That's true. There's no question about that. All right, we got a couple of minutes left. I'm always fascinated about this because we know what the workouts are that, that scouts want to see, right? It's the bench press and the high jump and the shuttle run and the 40-yard dash. I don't know if the 40-yard dash really means anything or not because it's, I don't know that it's applicable for, for defensive linemen. Right. Uh, the bench press, when you pop under that bar, what's your goal going to be and, and what do you think you can realistically get to? How, how many reps? The goal we set, me and my trainer, Coach Moody, is 40. Um, this Ooh. past Monday – this past Monday, uh, I finished with 32. So I think 40 is within reach. Uh, you know, I think I got a month, probably a month and a half of preparation still. So I feel a good 40 could be coming. All right. What about that high jump? I'm already always fascinated when guys tell me high jump numbers. Um, my last one I did at Delta State, it was a 23 okay. inch vert and just, you know, through I've been training. That's all I've been training for, you know, coming up. So. I'm hoping to add at least five to six more inches, so about 28, 29. If I can pull a 30, I'll be happy with that, too. No, no question about that. And then how much time are you spending training to run? Because it's a different kind of running than you do in football. It's uh, We've had a lot of guys that have talked to us about the fact that it's almost like track training as opposed to, to football running. So most of my drill work, if it be instrument, uh, short, cone-to-cone burst, it's the five to ten yards that you finish through is what you're training. So you're basically conditioning yourself for a play to four to six seconds long. So each drill lasts roughly four to six seconds. And then the burst, making sure you keep a consistent burst towards the end. And then, you know, you obviously have to prepare just to have a lot of wind. So you're going to do your long run conditioning. If it be 110s or 80-yard sprints, you know, just to keep yeah. your lungs at max capacity. Well, it's uh, it's an interesting process. Tamaje, I can't thank you enough for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Great to visit with you. We wish you nothing but the best and all the success in the world. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Tamaje Porter, uh, originally from Mobile, training in Pensacola, played at Delta State after Cahoma Community College, highly rated coming out of high school, and he's got a chance. It's going to be fun to watch and see if that dream comes to reality for Tamaje Porter. He joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you right after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Have you gone to the Ole Miss Baseball Twitter account? I, I have not seen it anywhere yet, so I'm taking John Hodges' uh, word for it. John uh, tweeted at me and said... 
they just announced on the baseball pregame show that Saturday's game has been moved to 5 p.m. So, I mean, there'd be no reason for John to lie about such thing. Uh, so if that is in fact true, I, I would like to uh, take credit for that. And you're welcome. Sure. All of the decision makers were tuned in and listening and yeah. heard the passion in your voice <laughs> and thought, you know what, let's do this. Although, when, so when you go to the Ole Miss baseball game on Saturday night and you freeze your hiney off, it's Michael <laughs> Borky's fault. Hey, they better you win. Could have, you could have sat out in the stands on Saturday for two hours, watched six and a half innings of baseball, enjoyed whatever you wanted to drink, soaked in the sunshine, loved that sixty-two degrees. But now it's going to be forty-eight at first pitch. And it is Michael Borky's fault. So go ahead and take all the credit you want, Bork. All of it. They, they better win that basketball game, though, <laughs> because move baseball for this. What the, what the, you know what? But yeah, I, I, I'm glad. I think it's it's the right thing because I did, uh, in fact, uh, hear from some people that were like, "Hey, I'm coming up to visit my daughter this weekend, and they're planning a baseball tailgate." So mm-hmm. like, students were not planning on going to the basketball game for the sake of baseball. And you just – not that one is more important than the other. That's for the individual to decide all that. I'm not getting into that conversation. But I think it's undeniable that this particular basketball game is far more important than this particular baseball game. And all hands need to be on deck to help the basketball team win that game as opposed to – the high-point baseball game in February. Yeah. And ultimately, there's there's enough room to go around. There's enough for, for everybody to get theirs on the same day. Mm-hmm. It took Especially a now. Of, it took a little bit of creativity, a little bit of working together, sliding a start time, and uh, now you, you've got the opportunity to do all of the above. It certainly is a big basketball game on Saturday, but there's a big basketball game tonight as well as Ole Miss and Mississippi State going to hook up at Humphrey Coliseum. Richard Williams will join us coming up uh, to start the 4 o'clock hour. John Sunvold will join us later in the 4 o'clock hour. Brian Haydad has not just magically disappeared. He did not turn into Casper the Friendly Ghost and float off into the uh, sunset. Hopefully we're going to get him back. We're, uh, the, the truth of the matter is there is a lot going on on this Wednesday. You got baseball in Starkville. You got baseball in Oxford. You got basketball in Stock in Starkville between a team from Starkville and a team from Oxford. And there are only so many radio stations and so many control rooms and so many ways to get all of the signals out to where they go. And oh, by the way, there's this radio show called Sports Talk Mississippi that uh, three to six. Uh, and and so we're trying to work all of that out. And hopefully, we'll have Hey Dad with us coming back. In uh, in just a little while, um, can, can we go back to the last segment just for a second? Sure. What a fun conversation with Tamaje Porter. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Good on you. Um, uh, getting that done and uh, getting that lined up. Uh, you know, we we talk so much um, about the guys at Ole Miss at Mississippi State at, at Southern Miss, and the the truth of the matter is that there there are a couple of things. Right. One, it's about where the greatest level of interest lies. And so you want to talk about the things that are the most interesting to the most people, especially during season, the season. And number two, there's only a certain, so much time. 
And if we're going to do a great job breaking down a Mississippi State game and an Ole Miss game and kind of getting you ready for a Southern Miss game as well and talking about everything else that's going on in the SEC, it's hard to really dive into everything that's happening at Delta State or at Southern Miss, or, excuse me, not at Southern Miss, at, uh, at, at Mississippi College or at Millsaps or, or some of the smaller schools or at all the junior Bell colleges. Haven had a great year this yeah. past year, for example. It's like there's just not enough bandwidth to do it all. But we always want to take time to celebrate the great stories that come from all of these places that care so deeply about their athletics. Uh, it's why we talked a little bit about Bellhaven when they were in the postseason at the, the end of the year. It's why we had that visit with Todd Cooley and, uh, and covered, uh, their, their, Patrick Shegog, uh, and the season that he had, you know, the playoffs at the end of the season. And, man, what, a, what a treat to get to, uh, to visit with Tamaje. Seems like a, a, an incredibly sharp young man who's excited about that opportunity, clearly believes in himself. Uh, he's got good people training him to try and get him ready for this shot. And Borky, you know, Maybe he doesn't get drafted. Maybe he doesn't end up as uh, a free agent signee. But there are more places that you can play football if you want to continue to play football, whether it's Canadian Football League or the the UFL, which is now a what a hybrid version of all of the spring leagues that were kind of coming together mm-hmm. as one. A lot of big financial backing on that league too. That one might end up working out. There, there, there certainly is. Bottom line is, Tamaje Porter wants to keep playing football, and he's going to do everything in his power to make that happen. And we wish him the best. Great to celebrate. Uh, his season and his accomplishments here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Williams joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. When we come back to start the 4 o'clock hour, we'll talk dogs and revs with him. Coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Welcome to the 4 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Talking a lot of basketball today as we get set for round two between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Tonight the site is Humphrey Coliseum and the color analyst on the Mississippi State Sports Network from Learfield. Richard Williams joins us to talk a little bit about this ball game. Coach, always good to catch up. Hey, we still got four hours until tip-off, though. It's going to be a while. Yeah, long time. Uh, I don't know how other coaches feel about it. I know when I was coaching, I hated the late, the late tip-offs. But you do now what television tells you to do, so you, you don't have any choice in it. So you just have to wait around all day. You get your practices in, you get your pregame meal in, and you wait around and hope the game time will get here before long. I thought that the first game between these two teams was a tremendous basketball game. I know there's a partisan angle to it where you you, know, you win or you lose, and it makes you feel differently about the game. But if you were an innocent bystander or somebody just flipping channels, you locked in on that first time that, that these two teams played uh, three weeks or so ago. Is there a chance we can get a repeat performance, a, a high-level game like that again tonight? I think so. You know, you've been around this rivalry a long time like I have, Richard, and, you know, you, you never know what to expect other than, you know, the home team wins a high percentage of the time. Uh, not all the time, but a high percentage of the time. Uh, but generally the games are close uh, because it is such a rivalry. Uh, you know, you, you can talk about it all you want to, and the people in the state know about the rivalry and why it's such a rivalry and all of that. But you have two coaches that are both very, very successful, 
Chris Jant, a second-year coach, Chris Beard, a first-year coach. They've both been ultra-successful at all of their uh, previous coaching stops, and they're going to have their teams ready to play. Now, the, the difference in this game, obviously, is they have film of that first game. So yeah. they're, they're looking at that film, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what can we do a little differently? What do we need to do better? Uh, Mississippi State, for instance, I can promise you, they have, they have thought about T.J. Caldwell. <laughs> uh, in the first game, he probably wasn't even a big part of the scouting report. And yet he goes for 18 points, the only double-figure scoring game he's had all year. That's right. So you can, you can be assured that Chris Jans has talked to his team about T.J. Caldwell, and I'm sure Chris Beard is talking to his team about Josh Hubbard and Cam Matthews. Cam Matthews had a double-double in the first game. So you know Miss, uh, Ole Miss is going to try to take that away from them. They're going to try to do something uh, where Cam Matthews can't have that big of an effect on this game. So it will be a different game, uh, but I expect it to be a close game. Let's talk a little bit more about Cam Matthews. He has had a tremendous season for Mississippi State. He's incredibly physical. I feel like he might be a little more efficient this year than he has been. He's continuing to rebound. Is there something to – we were talking about the other day. It's like, go figure, fourth year in a program, and a guy gets better and continues to grow. Is there more to it than that, though, with Cam Matthews, or is it as simple as maturity? I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, he, as you say, is the fourth year in the program. Uh, he has really matured physically, mentally. Uh, he's become a better player. I think Chris Jantz has helped him tremendously uh, with improving his skill level, uh, improving his just overall basketball play. But you talk about Cam Matthews. Now you're talking about a guy who can do everything except make perimeter shots. Yeah. Uh, he, he rebounds. He can defend every position on the floor and, and will because Mississippi State switches so much. Uh, but he can defend every position. He's a tremendous athlete with quickness, speed, jumping ability, all those things. He brings the ball up in transition. He brings the ball up against presses. He's a good passer. Uh, he leads the team in steals. And as much as anything, Richard, I think the thing that separates him, in addition to all those physical attributes, his competitiveness. He is one of the most competitive guys I've ever been around. The, the Arkansas game uh, last Saturday, for instance, was a very close basketball game. But down the stretch, Cameron Matthews was not going to let Mississippi State lose that game. Wow. He did everything he had to do to make sure uh, Mississippi State won the game. I was talking to John Sunbold earlier today at Mississippi State's practice, and John's doing the game on TV tonight. And as you know, John's an ex-NBA player. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, what do you think about Cam Matthews? I said, to me, the only thing he can't do to be an NBA player is shoot. And, and John agreed with that. But he said, but think about this. If you're an uh, NBA guy and you have a roster of 12, 13, 14 guys, ever many, you would like a guy on that team that can guard all five positions. And for sure, an NBA guards four positions, maybe not the big seven-foot centers, but if that on the perimeter, you can guard them out there. So there might be a place in the NBA for Cam Matthews because of his defensive ability, his rebounding ability, and his skill level with the ball. I still marvel sometimes when I see guys in the NBA having success after watching them play in college, and it's like never in a thousand years would I have dreamed that this is a successful NBA player. But to your point a second ago about that will to win and the competitiveness, some guys have got got that, and and maybe it, it doesn't translate in production on the floor at the college level all the time, at least not the eye-popping production. But betting against those guys isn't always the uh, the best plan either. 
Well, I, I think you're right. And, and the name that comes to mind for me, and you remember this guy, Herb Jones from Alabama. Oh, yeah. I don't think Herb Jones was a double-figure score in Alabama. If he was, low double-figures. His reputation in Alabama was a defender and a rebounder, an elite yeah. defender and a rebounder. He's in the NBA doing those same kinds of things and yet scoring double figures most nights. The NBA game is totally different. Uh, it's an open court game. It's a spread court game. Uh, the lane is wider. There's more room to drive the ball to the basket than there is in the college game. Uh, the help defense can't be off in that lane standing there the entire time. You know, the NBA rules, you have to be close to your man. So it opens the court up for guys like Herb Jones and Cam Matthews. So I wouldn't bet against Cam making a roster in the NBA. Yeah. I but keep this in you- mind. He has one more year of eligibility at Mississippi State. We hope That's he right. comes back. That, that's right. He certainly does have that. He's got that COVID year if he uh, if he wants that's to take right. advantage of it. Yep. Uh, I want to ask you about a guy on the other side that Mississippi State's got to deal with defensively. Matthew Morrell's been a good player for a long time. You, you've seen him for four years playing for Mississippi State, so uh, probably you know close to a dozen times that you've seen him play, not counting watching him on television. But he may be playing at the highest level that he's played in his entire career over the last five games, shooting at 50% from the floor, almost 50% from three, efficient with his shots. What is it in your mind when you watch Matthew Morrell that has allowed him to elevate to this level? Because he's been a good player for a long time. And what does Mississippi State do with him? Is that the assignment that Cam Matthews gets tonight? Well, Cam Matthews might start on Matthew Morrell, but I don't know that. I would guess he'll start on Brakefield because usually – Coach Jans matches them up position by position. Okay. Every once in a while he won't. But Mississippi State switches so much on defense. Right. He will guard Matthew Morrell at times. Uh, you know, part of the issue with, with guarding Matthew Morrell and the other Ole Miss players is transition because they get it out in transition. Now, they're not just flying up and down the floor taking just every shot they can get like maybe a, a, a Kentucky does or an Auburn does at times. But if they can get it in transition and pitch it ahead to Morrell, when he gets that wide-open shot, he's going to get that shot, and he's going to take that shot. So it, it, you don't know who might be matched up with him in those situations. But I think he's, number one, a tremendous talent, uh, and I think everybody knew that coming out of high school, what a tremendous talent he was. Uh, I, I don't know all the reasons why he's more productive this year. He looks like he's playing with a little more freedom to me, mm. uh, not worried about making mistakes, uh, has the confidence of his coach, uh, and and – just knows this is his fourth year. It, it, he's the leader on the team. And as you said, if you look at his stats, it's unbelievable what he's doing. And, uh, you know, as a Mississippi State fan like I am, I love watching him play except against us because he's killed us in the past. You remember the game in Oxford a couple of years ago, what he had, 35 or 36, something like that. We had no answer for him. Uh, hopefully tonight we'll have some kind of answer. But if he's on, and, and Ole Miss is going to do a great job getting him open. They run a lot of sets. They run motion-type stuff. But a lot of it has to do with getting him open off double screens and down screens and wide down screens and baseline screens, those kinds of things. So he's going to get chances to score. Visiting with Richard Williams, just a couple of minutes left, only about a minute and a half left, actually. Coach, I, I want to quickly ask you about Josh Hubbard. I, when, when I talked last with Chris Jans, I asked him if he had any concern about Hubbard hitting a freshman wall. And, and he said no. He said it's because of his maturity off the court, the way he takes care of himself, and uh, the, just the, his work ethic. It's been really good. It's been really mature from the outset. As you have watched him through the season, have you seen growth within this first year where it's been such a good year? I, I have. And, and Coach Jans is exactly right about all those things he talked about. Very mature for a freshman. Unusual mindset for a freshman. 
The thing that I see him do differently now, and John Sunbold and I were talking about this today, early in the year he would drive the ball to the basket, try to shoot over the top of 6'9", 6'10", guys. He could get away with driving at the basket in high school, shooting over 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", guys. Yeah. He can't do that here. So he's developed a high runner off the glass, or layups really high and soft off the glass, and I think that's made him an even better player and a harder player to guard. Well, he certainly has been fun to watch, and uh, if he's not the best freshman in the SEC, he certainly is one of a very, very small number. Coach, thanks so much for your time. Should be a great atmosphere tonight. Wish I was going to be there. Can't wait to watch it, though. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate you having me. Richard Williams, he's the color analyst on the Mississippi State Radio Network. Will be, uh, he's got a really, really good seat tonight. And he'll be sitting right next to Neil Price. Uh, they will have a 7.30 airtime for an 8 o'clock tip-off. And, of course, Richard Williams, the head coach for Mississippi State, in their only Final Four appearance, that 1996 Final Four team. What a season. What a tremendous team that was. Always good to visit with Coach Williams on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. We got more coming up with you right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. It's pretty clear that Brian Haydad uh, sabotaged whatever was going on. He knew it was 70 and sunny outside. He knew there was baseball going on and basketball going on, and he just blew the whole thing up. So, good for him. Figure, blame him. Figure out a way. Hard to be mad at him for that. I don't know if we're going to get him back or not this afternoon. We're trying to make things work. But uh, the show must go on. So, for now, at least, Richard Cross, Michael Borky with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Uh, Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Would today have been a good day to be on the golf course, Michael Borky? Today would have been a good day, but if uh, this weekend's weather is going to be phenomenal as well, yeah. and it, it, things will dry out a little bit because it's been a little soggy around here, and, and things will start greening up a little bit as well. So if you can't play until the weekend, it might not be the worst thing. The weather's going to be perfect, and it, it'll be a uh, a dry golf course. Yeah. Today would have been perfect also. It would have the been Oaks, perfect, yeah. The Oaks, the Azaleas, book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. DancingRabbitGolf.com. If uh, you want to plan a trip for bigger than maybe just a foursome, give them a call. They will take care of you. Uh Quick baseball update. Arkansas State got a run in the top of the first inning. Ole Miss had uh, several base runners. Arkansas State, I think, just added another run. That they ball home is run. way gone. Two to nothing, Arkansas State, in the top of the second inning. So I was not paying attention while we were talking with Richard Williams. So Ole Miss had, what, an early base runner? And then Leger hit a rocket into a double play. Rocket into a double play, and then got two more on, and uh, infield flew out to uh, to end that inning. So yeah, and Arkansas State shouldn't have scored the run in the first, but they uh, a botched 
double play. I say botched. It's just the uh, the exchange at second base, uh, just not yeah. smooth and fluid enough to throw a guy out. So. It was a, a chance for a 5-4-3 to end the inning, and the throw from third to second was a little offline, and the transfer wasn't very good, and got beat it out. So, um, but so but there, there but there, but there you go, and it's it's just you know, I mean, they could win this game fourteen to nothing, but that is an example of what went wrong last weekend and why people are so concerned. It's it doesn't look right, and when it yeah, doesn't, you do the little right. things. Yeah. You're a good baseball team. The the things that are hard. And, and look, a, a five four three double play is not an easy double play to turn, especially on a ball that's hit to the right or the left of the third. Especially on a ball that's hit to the right of a third baseman, where he's got a backhand, make a long throw to second, and a long throw to first. It's not an easy play. But we have watched for so long Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas, whoever you want to say, make that play look effortless. That when it doesn't look right, you're like, well, what's going on? It's a play you got to make at this level. Yeah. I mean, you, just, you just have to. So... um Mississippi State out to an early lead over Austin P. Second game of uh, consecutive games in the midweek. Bulldogs getting the offense going early in this one. They uh, got a solo home run from Amani Larry to lead off the bottom of the first inning. Yeah, big one, 418. Oh, 418. That is a poke. Uh, a couple of walks as well. Five walks from Austin P. pitching in the uh, bottom of the first. And so, um, good start for the Bulldogs. Up 3 nothing in the bottom of the first inning over Austin P. Trying to bounce back from that yeah. loss yesterday. Tell me what you think about this. I, okay. I, I kind of workshopped this last night. As far as the basketball game tonight, because I was thinking of, you know, who's got more pressure? Who, who needs the win more? That kind of thing. And here's what I landed on. Mississippi State has more to lose tonight, and Ole Miss has more to gain tonight. I don't think Mississippi State's standing will change much with a home win over Ole Miss. It might a little, but not much. They are currently, at its present, comfortably in the field, according to uh, the, the bracketology people. So winning tonight won't really change that. But losing, when you look at, what they've got coming up on the schedule, which is a pretty brutal one, then you might start having a wins issue. If you're not beating Ole Miss at home, you're going to beat Kentucky? Things like that. For Ole Miss, a loss tonight might knock them out of the last four in to first four out, but that's not really that material of a switch. Other teams around them are going to lose. It's the bubble. It happens all the time. Three bubble teams in front of them lost last night. They didn't play last night, and their status improved. It's just kind of how it works. But a win, if they were if they were to beat Mississippi State tonight, kind of dramatically changes the conversation about them in the NCAA tournament and what they need to do moving forward, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, I mean, Borky, that is the absolute perfect example of what we talk about all the time. I said it yesterday. You don't play the games in a bubble, right? Ole Miss beat Missouri. On Saturday, no Missouri's no good, but they won the game. And they dropped two lines, 
in terms of where they were in Lunardi's projections. They didn't play Sunday. They didn't play Monday. They didn't play Tuesday. But stuff happened in other places, and without playing, they go up two spots in that last four-in line. And so you don't necessarily know going into tonight what a win does for Ole Miss. I don't think they would drop. I think this would be a really quality win for the Rebels. It would be significant on the resume. It would be a quad one win for Ole Miss. Those are those are huge. But a loss doesn't necessarily move them out of the last four in. A loss is not really going to hurt their metrics with the net or some of the other power rankings that they look at. So I, you know. You gotta let it play out. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't think the overall formula changes. Going back to prior to Missouri, looking at the final seven games of the regular season. If you win five of them, that puts you at ten SEC wins. And I think you feel really comfortable going to Nashville. I mean if you only win four of them, you got work to do when you get to Nashville. And you were sweating. You, oh, you're sweating. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they would be at that point a 23 if they get to 10, a 23 and eight SEC team. I, I just and, and you know the the bubble is is interesting because you've got A and M on it, right? And A M's got better wins than Ole Miss right now. But buddy, they've lost to. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. have a loss to Arkansas and they have a loss to Vanderbilt, and that's everybody on the bubble. So yeah. if you know, if they get to ten without this like yeah, incredible signature yeah, yeah, yeah. win, okay, you said Arkansas, yeah. right? Yeah, without this incredible signature win. But if you look at everybody else's resume, they're all really, really flawed. It's the bubble after all. And so twenty three and eight, ten and eight in the SEC, getting left out of the tournament, I just would be very surprised. But but again, when we talked about how you get to five over those final seven, what did it mean? It meant you beat Missouri twice, which doesn't help you. You beat Georgia, uh, other than win total. Yeah. You beat Georgia, and then you beat two NCAA tournament teams. That Because you also have Mississippi State tonight, Texas A&M, I think they're a tournament team, Alabama, and South Carolina. Yep. Which means you have two wins, and... Three of those four games against expected tournament teams are at home. Yeah. So. It's right there. I mean, the opportunity's there. And, and, and that goes back to what we said, right? I mean, is it easy? Absolutely not. I mean, Ole Miss sweated like crazy to get a win against They're in about 10 in the second half to Missouri. It doesn't have a win in the SEC. But what did Missouri do last night? Fishy line. They That's turned right. around. By the way. We got a PTG Outdoors Fishy Line of the Week coming up for you this afternoon. You got one you like? Oh, I got one I love. Was it Arkansas State plus 300 in baseball today? It was not. That was that was that was not it. No, no, no. This one is it's just like last night. What did we say yesterday? We said the odds makers are begging you to take Tennessee. 12 and a half Tennessee winless Mizzou. Oh, it's a slam dunk. What they do? They won, they won by five. 
The one with five. It wasn't even close to a cover. You got one of those tonight where the odds makers are begging you to take a team on the road. We'll get to that fishy line coming up in just a little while, but first we're going to talk with John Sunvolt, color analyst on the game tonight between Mississippi State and Ole Miss at Humphrey Coliseum in Starkville. That's coming up next on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio this afternoon. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our friend John Sunvold joins us this afternoon. He is once again on the call for Mississippi State and Ole Miss, just like he was a few weeks ago in Oxford. John, I was talking with some folks earlier. That was a tremendous basketball game uh, the first time these two teams met. I'm not sure it's the game that we thought it was going to be going into it. Uh, it sure would be nice if we could get another one like that tonight. Uh, yeah, I'll take it as a, as a, for my seat. I'll take it, and um, I'm not going to say because I don't know because I watch every game. But it seemed like the best game both teams played, even though the Bulldogs lost. Um, the way both teams shot the ball that night. Now, surprisingly, because when these two teams get together and with these coaches, you'd think it's going to be a rock fight, but. It wasn't that way in Oxford, and I'm hoping we get the same thing tonight. I think hope we have good pace, and I hope guys make shots. And, you know, if, if it's that kind of game, uh, great. But we also know it could be just a, a, uh, a rock fight, as they would like to say. It, it certainly could be. One of the things that we had was a great atmosphere the first time around in that game in Oxford, an all-time record crowd in the pavilion. Tonight's game sold out as a former player, not so much as a broadcaster, but as a former player. What is it? What's it like to go into an environment like that on the road? Because I've heard guys say it can be intimidating, and and that's what the home crowd wants it to be. But I've also heard guys talk about feeding off of a road environment like that. So, from your perspective, what was it like as a player? You know, I think it depends the level of player. Um, I was very fortunate to have success when I played, and I played with good players and good teams, but. Like, if you said Missouri-Kansas, when I went to Kansas to play against Kansas, the hatred that the fan base had and the student body of the opponent. You know, as a player, uh, maybe intimidated as a freshman, but beyond that, you were excited. I think when you go on the road, your excitement is how can we quiet the crowd? Mm. And the other part of that you discuss as as a team, without the coach, as players, we know there's going to be a run by the home team. We know there's going to be excitement. Just take a deep breath, gather yourself, and let's get back to what we do. You know, the game is ups and downs and flows. Now, if you're a home team and home players, you try to build on all of those things, all of the momentum you can get, whether it's a steal or whether it's a, you know, a bucket. I mean, all the things that can happen, there's two psychologies going on just amongst the players on the floor. But 
I can't imagine that that every one of these guys for tonight's game are fired up. But there's so much on the line. Obviously, Mississippi State is comfortably. I don't know how comfortably they are inside the inside the NCAA line, but. Ole Miss is right there, and, uh, you know, it's not – if they lost tonight, it doesn't really stub your toe because Mississippi State's good. But, again, if they could win, that's quad one, and you move up the ladder um, ahead of a lot of schools. Gives you a little breathing room with just five games to play, no, no question. I know we talked about this before the last meeting between these two teams. The, the post-presence – is so starkly different between these two teams. And Mississippi State, you got Tolu Smith who, who can do work there. You can you can feed it to him and clear out and let him back a guy down and get his own shot. With Ole Miss, it's you don't have super talented scorers with with Sharp and and Cisse. and a lot of their baskets at the rim are on on rolling. You know, rolling to the rim off of a screen and and you know getting a dunk or, or trying to get a layup at the rim. Is Mississippi State able to exploit that with Tolu Smith more tonight than they did uh, three and a half weeks ago when, when these two teams first met? Or is Ole Miss able to kind of do what they did with help defense and kind of neutralize him again? Well, there's, there's one thing about Tolu, and I, I love the kid, and I've loved watching him play. The challenge, Tolu's, I think, really good against guys his height, and he's physically can do some things against him. Mm-hmm. Where I do think Tolu can struggle is with guys with big height, like Ole Miss has. Guys that are taller. Tolu likes to go around guys, power, lay it in. He rarely is a big jump hook guy, right? He doesn't go over the top of those kind of players. So when you think of Ole Miss uh, with Cissé and Sharp in there, that's bothersome for for Tolu. Now, doesn't mean he can't do it because he has done it. But he was limited in that first time around because when he counted in the post, boom, they've got he's got tall guys behind him. So he here's where Tolu Smith has been better this year. He can face up around the free throw line, and he can drive it extremely hard. He's, he's comfortable now. He drives a lot more left than he does right, which, which is odd for a right-handed guy, especially a big, when a big comes up to challenge him. He'll jab, step right, take it left, and be powerful. But we know this about Mississippi State. They're a better team when the ball gets to the paint, and it doesn't have to be Tolu Smith, but when the ball gets to the paint and they can then kick it, they get a a few more open shots, which is what they need. Shaq Moore shooting it better. We obviously know what Hubbard does. But when you watch the game tonight, what I'll be watching where I sit is if the Bulldogs can get it to the paint, then their offense is way differently than it is when they don't get it there and they settle for things. That's not their strength. Hmm. So those outside shots for them are better when it's work it inside and kick it out to them? Yeah, and the reason is because they're so good inside. You've got to honor the fact that Cam Matthews is powerful when he drives in the lane and Tolu's going to draw a double team. Uh, We don't know if Jeffries will play tonight. But those are the slashing type of players, which then, because of that, that frees up. We know Hubbard can shoot it, a guy in his face, but you want your guys that aren't as great as shooters, just naturally shooters, Shaq Moore, uh, Davis, Sean Jones, a wide-open look is much better than, than if they've got guys in their face, and, and they're a better team for it. So I had the Ole Miss game on uh, on Saturday against Missouri and, and talked to Chris Beard on Saturday afternoon. And I asked him if he was seeing like a greater sense of urgency 
for Matthew Morrell and Jamin Brakefield, knowing that this was probably their last, you know, kind of their last go around and chance to get to the tournament. And he said, not as much as I want to. And that answer surprised me a little bit. It's like, I don't know if his standards are just ridiculously high or if there's another level. It it feels like Matthew Morrell in particular is playing at a really high level right now. Is that a coach that's just being too demanding? Or when you watch Ole Miss, do you see another level from those two guys in particular? Well, I would agree. It's funny because Chris Beard and I talked about the same thing this morning. Um, you know, I don't know if coaches can always read players. Uh, I would think because Ole Miss hasn't been there and these guys haven't been there to get to the NCAA tournament, you know, my personality, I probably would have lived in the whole the gym. Like, if he hadn't been there, we, we've got to do this. Um, I think by performance, I mean, Matthew Morrell has been fabulous. Um, same with Brakefield. I mean, I, I think their leadership's been good. So I, you can never know how a coach is – is deciding that, whether it's comparing it to guys he had at Texas Tech or wherever he was. But, yeah, a sense of urgency for the Ole Miss Rebels because, I'll be honest, you leave a mark. Like, Matthew Morrell could go down as one of the great players at Ole Miss. Um, But I think you have to win. I mean, I think you have Mm. to make a mark and say, yeah, we were in the NCAA tournament or we got Sweet 16. You have to have something that validates when someone says he's one of the better players. Maybe not one of the great, great, but he, he's going to put his name up there. And would it not be great for him and the, his legacy that this Ole Miss team not only gets the NCAA tournament, but win a game or maybe two? That Then it pretty much stamps uh, maybe what people think of him the rest of the career, his life. That's really funny you say that because you, you think back to some of the like late 90s, early 2000s Ole Miss teams, there are players that people still talk about and still think about that weren't necessarily the greatest players, but they were part of special teams, and so they're remembered in a way that guys that were productive that maybe didn't get to the tournament uh, maybe differently than they're remembered. Uh, this one should be a lot of fun tonight. I want to ask you about one question or one question outside of this game in particular, and it has to do with the team that played last night. What is Texas A&M? Who is Texas A&M? Because at times they look incredible. And then there's that game last night, and it's a home game, and they look terrible against Arkansas. Yeah, here's how I think of A&M. We know their guards are pretty good. Right. Some nights they're great. Some nights the guards are great. But, I mean, the rest of the talent, they're good players. They're, you know, but but it's – there's such a – the margins are so thin for some of these teams uh, to win and lose a game. Yeah. Um, and throw Ole Miss in there, Mississippi State. The margins are thin, thinner for some teams. A&M's the same way. If the two guards don't carry them, then it's really hard. They've got a mixture of good players but not guys that score the ball well. And every team's going to try to out-rebound them, going to try to wrestle them and fight them. So every night they're not going to always out-rebound someone by 15 or 20. So I think it's, I just think it's that fine line of, of do you turn the ball over more than the other team or not? How are you shooting the ball? Are you getting whatever rebound? And those margins for, I would say, seven, eight, nine, ten of the teams in this league yeah. is a lot thinner than others. The talented ones like Kentucky, Alabama, maybe Tennessee, those three, maybe throw in an Auburn, maybe throw in a Florida. 
that the margin can be a little wider because they've got more talent in, in areas that you need the talent. But the rest of them, I mean, I know Mizzou's bad, and that's my alma mater, but you saw them against Ole Miss. Sure. They're not awful. Their, their, their margin is the fact that a couple guys have been hurt. They don't have something. From the Venable 7.3. Guys, What's happening? what the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. We are now just over three hours until tip-off of Mississippi State and Ole Miss. That one at Humphrey Coliseum tonight game on television is on ESPN2 with an 8 o'clock tip-off. If you want to listen to it on the radio, you can. And we'll have it for you on Supertalk Mississippi. On either the Mississippi State Radio Network or the Ole Miss Radio Network, all hey, from Learfield. Guess what? What? Hey! Hey, pal. Welcome back. Yeah! You you have got to be on the inside right now, fuming, going, why would they not just let me go home? No, no, it's, it's not even that. It's why was I not told this was going to be the problem? Ah, uh, uh, well, there's a lot. I, I explained it earlier. I said there's a lot going on today. You got baseball happening in Starkville. You got baseball happening in Oxford. You have a radio program, this one, with a three-hour time window, and a basketball game tonight involving a team from Oxford and a team from Starkville, and all of that runs through Telesouth Communications, Super Talk Mississippi Media. Houston McDavid makes it all happen. He's the he's the wizard behind the curtain, and we're glad to have you back. So I want the record to show that uh, it was requested of me to do an hour of Mississippi State content only for Thunder and Lightning Live tonight. I respectfully decline because I've got to take little man to karate tonight because we're in karate. And yes, I've never seen a karate kid. I recognize the irony in the fact that I am getting my son into karate but i had to say no i would have done it but i would have and it would have been great and they and state fans would have hated it but it would have been fun and i had to say no because better you than him true true they're uh but but they're already paid for and so i'm getting my money's worth out of these karate lessons so i like it is it actual karate or is it taekwondo or Uh, kung fu Say what, hey, Dave? Karate. Karate. Uh, yes, yes, I, I understand. Um, we got, hey, we got time to do the fishy line. Like I, this is, We do, because you had a good one. PTG Outdoors, fishy line of the week. Brought to you by PTG Outdoors. You can find them online at ptgoutdoors.com. Uh, visit them in person. Grenada, really close to the lake. New location in uh, Tuscaloosa, Northport. If you're looking for a new boat, they got you covered. They got Camus boats. They are ready to go. If uh, yes, I've got a, a sidekick with me. Francis hopping into the fourth screen. member of our broadcast team. That's oh, right. Franny's with us for uh, hanging out for a little while. Uh, she was not able to go to school today, uh, but feeling a whole lot better now than she was last night. So we are uh, thankful for that. Hanging out with Dad a little bit this afternoon. Um, 
Camus Boats, Garmin GPS Systems, authorized Mercury Motor dealer. So if you're looking to upgrade the motor, if you need a new boat, motor on an uh, existing boat that you've got, they'll take care of you on that. But if you're in the market for a new boat, like I've done some research on these Camus Boats, and they are beautiful. And they're workhorses. So you're not just getting it because it looks good on the trailer. You're getting it because it performs on the water. Check them out. Brandon and the gang at PTG Outdoors will absolutely take care of you. We'd love it if you told them that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Many of you have already done that. We appreciate it very much. Fishy line of the week. Easiest one we have had yet. And please understand, the fishy line of the week does not mean one team wins or loses. The fishy line of the week means as this sits going into the game, this makes no sense. We go to Baton Rouge, where tonight the Kentucky Wildcats at 18 and 7 overall, 8 and 4 in the SEC, playing really good basketball right now, are only a five and a half point favorite. Only a five and a half point favorite against LSU, who is 13 and 12, playing a little bit better. Coming off a game in which they came from behind and won on the road at South Carolina. That's a great win. It's a low-scoring game, which was a little atypical for LSU. Why is Kentucky only a five-and-a-half-point favorite? That stinks worse than four-day-old dead fish that somebody stuck in your back seat and you didn't know that it was there in the middle of July. That's how bad that line stinks. A very descriptive uh, description. As if, uh, never mind. It's like, that's a prank that might have been played somewhere along the way. Oh, yeah. I see. Not, not by me, of course. No, no. You guys in agreement? That one makes no sense. Makes no sense weird, that's a weird, weird line. Yeah, no question. We had a, uh, had a suggestion for one on the ceasefire text line. Um, somebody said it was the, uh, the Duke, my, here it is. Miami plus six and a half is Duke. Canes have lost four in a row. Duke has looked really good. It makes no sense whatsoever. And so, I have already bet Miami in the points and sprinkled a little on the money line as well. See, that's smart thinking. Public money's going to be on Kentucky tonight. It is. It makes no sense. Look, we'll come in here tomorrow and it's going to have gone one way or the other. But on the surface, it makes no sense. That is your PTG Outdoors fishy line of the week. Five o'clock hour, college football fix, and a whole lot more coming up next. Okay. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, I just need to ask. Are you okay? Have they treated you well? In the prison that I'm in? I mean, this this looks and sounds as if you have been taken hostage against your will, and there is somebody on the other side of the camera with some sort of a weapon manipulating the words that are coming out of your mouth. 
that's normally, you know, my people doing that. But I guess I'm on the other side of the coin today. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe you just I can get away said with that. It. I can get away with it. Uh. Uh. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Hadid, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of lots and lots and lots of entertainment. Don't believe me? Check out their website, pearlriverresort.com. You can find out all you need to know about the great restaurants, about the world-class gaming, about the entertainment activities, including concerts and comedy shows, about the golf at Dancing Rabbit, about Geyser Falls Water Park, which... Quite frankly, it feels like you could be hanging out at today. It's that nice outside. Fantastic. PearlRiverResort.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. Right here in Ceasefire country. We uh, have got the college football fix coming up. Before we do that, sorry, but before we do that, let's check the baseball scoreboard in Oxford. No, don't do that. Arkansas State just um, took a 3 nothing lead with a deep sacrifice fly with the bases loaded and two out now in the top of the fourth inning. Ole Miss has had some scoring opportunities. They have not been able to come up with the two-out base hit, though, to get guys in. You know what that sounds like? Last weekend. Oh. But yeah. It's a good point. It's a, that is a good point. What, were they 6-for-52 with runners on? Something like that. Yeah, the, the number was not good. I've, I've tried to just put it out of my mind and move forward. Um, but, yes, uh, more of the same so far this afternoon. A lot of baseball to play, top of the fourth inning. Hey, Dad, the line score... Is far different for Mississippi State than the scoreboard. The scoreboard had Mississippi State leading five to nothing. Now they lead five to four. Right. But their five runs have come on one hit. And it was the first hitter of the game for Mississippi State. Amani Larry with a leadoff home run in the bottom of the first inning. Then Jordan grounded out. And then, this is in the first, walk, 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 bases loaded walk, bases loaded walk, bases loaded walk, uh, fielder's choice on the infield with an RBI, and then a ground out or something to end the inning. Five runs on one hit. And it was not part of the three runs that scored after the home run, or the four runs that scored after the home run. So, crazy. Uh, Bulldogs... I mean, and and now you got Austin P with the bases loaded and two out. By the way, Arkansas State just got a uh, two out base hit to make it four to nothing as State they extend the lead against Ole Miss. Here, do what? It's State with the bases loaded with two outs. Right. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's in the bottom of the third inning. So State's looking yeah. for a two out base hit. Right. Ole Miss gets out of the top of the fourth inning with uh, a couple of runs allowed. And they will go to the bottom of the fourth inning, trailing four to nothing to Arkansas State. Try not to fall under five hundred at two and two going into this ballgame. I mean these two teams. Gosh. There's a way to go. Yeah. There's a there's a long way to go and a relatively short time to get there. Yeah. What do say, what, what, what do you say we do a little college football fix? Let's do something. 
Excuse me. The college football fix is driven by Ford. What, what is this show today? <laughs> and your I'm out. Mississippi Ford dealers. <laughs> Visit buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. I don't have a cough button or a slide on my Comrex. I can't easily turn my mic down if I have to cough. I had to cough. I'm sorry. That's the benefit of being live. It just It's more real and authentic. I told you guys about this a while ago. I read a story that was like, the, the new development in podcasting is live recordings. And I thought, radio. You guys are describing radio. But it went into the authenticity of the production or whatever. It's just authentic. This is who we are, and, and there's no editing this. We just – we are who we are. We'll roll with it. I, 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 look, we have, I think – no, I know – a devoted audience. I don't even know how many stations we're on right now. We got Mississippi State baseball going on, and we got Ole Miss baseball going on, and we got basketball happening tonight. I have no idea who's listening to us or who's watching. We are glad if you are with us that you are with us. Thanks as always for that. All right, back in the in the, the three o'clock hour, which feels like two days ago, Michael Borky said that Kenny Dillingham is his new favorite coach. He has had enough with coaches complaining. Here's the money quote from the uh, the story at Arizona Sports. I literally spent nine years of my life doing anything to become a coffee boy. So don't give me the, oh, it's hard to be a coach right now. Yeah, it's hard. Then quit. He's tired of hearing it. You know what? It was hard last year for Arizona State when half their team was hurt after two weeks of the season. But you know what? They kept on plugging and had a pretty respectable season given the number of injuries they had, quarterback position and otherwise. They were banged up all over the field. It's a pretty refreshing take from Kenny Dillingham. And don't forget, right before the season began, the team was told that the NCAA was punished. Oh, they they gave right. them a postseason ban for things that weren't their fault, previous coaching staff, all that. And so they found out in camp, and, and remember, we played the audio because Dillingham went to the reporters and was like, do you want me to lie to you, or do you want me to tell you that the team is crushed? And we had a really bad practice today because they're, they're being punished for something that's not their fault. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. And it was a very reasonable take at the time. It was an honest take at the time. And you know what? I think that paid off with his team. I, I think that he was okay with them being crushed. An understanding of them having a terrible practice and sticking by them all the way through it, it paid dividends in the second half of the season for him. Yeah, they, they played much better late, just the injury bug. Unbelievable, like unfathomable levels of injuries for Arizona State last year in his first year uh, coming from uh, from Oregon. But, but I like this so much because you can, as a football coach, offer constructive... Uh, present issues in a constructive manner with solutions. That's why I liked what you said about Kirby Smart after the Orange Bowl. Well, they got to fix this. Who's that? They got to fix this. Well, who? Who's they? Fix what? Tell me. If you're going to complain, present an idea. But hearing Brian Kelly with his $100 million contract complain about how hard his job is is so just tone deaf to me. I mean, you want to talk about hard jobs? You live in Louisiana. You, you, there are people working real hard jobs there, Brian. You're coaching football. I'm sorry your player might want to transfer. 
That's what you're getting paid $10 million bucks a year for. What is your one paycheck? Your one paycheck is more than 99.99% of your state makes in a year. Stop complaining. I love this from Kenny Dillingham. You're a, he's a $4 million a year football coach. Sorry he's got to work hard. I mean, do you know how many people would kill and work 18-hour days to bring home that kind of money? Doing jobs more difficult than game planning and recruiting and making sure your players like playing for you? I love this. I absolutely love this guy. It's about time a coach finally says, oh, is it too hard for you? Then go work a real job like everybody else. See how much you like that. And to your point, Kenny Dillingham is not one of the highest paid coaches in college football. Mm -hmm. He's not making Brian Kelly money. He's not making... Um, uh, Richard Lane, Cross money. Lane Kiffin money, Cross money, whatever. He's making $3.85 million a year, which is an unbelievably good living. But it's not $8 million a year. It's not $9 million a year. It's not $10 million a year. So spin this forward. Mississippi State is headed to the Valley of the Sun, to yep. Tempe, Arizona, in week two next year to take on this Arizona State team. We'll pick up the conversation when we come back and talk a little bit about that matchup, what it's going to mean, how significant it is. How hard of a game is that for Mississippi State? And I know it's only February the 20th, but have we already undersold how hard a game that could be for Mississippi State in Week 2? We'll pick that conversation up when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Glad to be with you. That's the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Keep up with everything that's happening in and around Oxford, especially as we go into a busy spring. It's not just Ole Miss sporting events. It's the Double Decker Art Festival and plenty more. Visit the live, the, uh, check out the live music. Check out the restaurants. Check out the, uh, the offerings that exist for you. You can find about out about all of those things at visitoxfordms.com and on their social media channels at visitoxfordms. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us this afternoon. So we're going to talk about Mississippi State's schedule coming up this season. And we've done that a lot, but we've kind of rolled through it, talked about the non-conference matchups. 
You know, they've got Eastern Kentucky in the season opener at home, and in week three they've got Toledo at home, and you go toward the end of the year, and uh, there's a home game against UMass on the 2nd of November. But it's that week two game on September 7th on the road in Tempe, Arizona, against Arizona State. We were talking about Kenny Dillingham and the way that team played a year ago. Will the injury bug have bitten them again next season? No idea. There's no way to know that. No way to predict that. You would generally anticipate that in week two of the season they would be relatively healthy. It is a long trip. It is a team that is in a new conference. Now that's a Big 12 team. It's not a Pac-12 team anymore. How big is that game, hey, Dad, for Mississippi State in week two of the Jeff Levy tenure? It's, it's, it's big in terms of, you know, in year, year one, if you want to go to a bowl game, you're going to have to win it. And winning three conference games for State feels like it will be a chore just in year one for, for Jeff Levy. So if you want to get to 6-6, six and six, it feels like 4-0. Is very necessary. You know, I, I think in week one when they play Eastern Kentucky, that'll be, you know, I mean, I think back to Joe Moorhead's first, first game against Sam, uh, I think it was Sam Houston State. And they just murdered him, and it was 63-6, to six, and you're like, oh, man, this team's going to be great. If you remember the next week, they went to Kansas State, and they handled them pretty easily, too. And that really got people, you know, got people going and excited for Joe Moorhead's tenure. It all bottomed out a few weeks later. But... It's sort of the same situation. I think they'll have a big game offensively against Eastern Kentucky. They'll put up a lot of points. It'll look good. But it's an FCS team. Uh, the next week when they go to Arizona State, that's a real test. And so how they look in that game might sort of, you know, sort of give us an idea of what to expect from State the rest of the season. They go out there and they, they, can't, they can't move the football, and defensively they're giving up big plays. And, yeah, it's going to be a really long year here in Starkville. But if they can go out there and get the win and then look good in doing it, then, yeah, that, that opportunity to be 6-6 six and six and go to a bowl game is right there. I, I don't think that you have the opportunity. Fans, we, whoever, love to talk about a signature win. Ah, signature win for a new coach. What was his signature win? I don't know that signature win would be the way to describe that. But I do think, I do think that it could be a statement win if Mississippi State goes to Tempe and they get that victory and you realize that, ooh, okay, it's year one. We know they're not there yet. We know that Mississippi State is not what it is going to be under Jeff Levy. But they told you right there that you better not overlook them. I think that's a possibility. And I mostly agree with that, but there, there can be some fool's gold in that, too, like I just mentioned with Moorhead. Yeah. They went to Kansas State. Kylan Hill rushed for 220 yards, and you know they just couldn't handle Jeff Simmons and Montez Sweat up front on, on the other side of the ball. And you walked out of that game thinking, okay, well, you know, next they, they played, uh, I think it was Louisiana the next week, or I forget, it was another non-conference game. And then they went to Kentucky, and you're like, they're 3-0 going to Kentucky. They're, they're going to easily beat Kentucky. They beat Kentucky every year. What happened? They got they got handled at Kentucky. Then they lose to Florida, and the season kind of went off the rails a little bit. So, yeah, obviously you want to win the game, and you can maybe take some things away from it. But I, I will hold my judgment until those first SEC games to get an idea of what this team really is. And if you want to look two weeks ahead, regardless of the outcome against Arizona State and Tempe, that home game against Florida – 
to open SEC play could be absolutely huge because Florida, in its first three weeks, will have played Miami at home, they will have hosted Samford, and they will have hosted Texas A&M. I don't think any of us will be surprised if they're one and two. No. If they're two and one, they're they're looking at it a little bit different. They're they're probably going to be one and two. And, yeah, when they play that game in Starkville, that's a game State has a chance to win. I mean, I don't. I mean, if we had to set a line on that game today, knowing what we know about these two teams, I mean, it's probably pretty close to a pick 'em. Maybe, maybe State's a, a one-point underdog, something like that, just because you, you just don't know enough about State and, and shaping and all that. But it's a game that State, you know, right now you can't sit there and say with any any conviction, one way or the other, that they're they're going to win or they're going to lose. So, yeah, it's a big game for state season. That game, and as I said before, the Arkansas game, I think are state's two best chances to get SEC wins. That were that, that aren't upsets. That aren't huge upsets, in my opinion. Would it be a hot take if I said my, uh, Florida's going to beat Miami in the season opener? No? It, it wouldn't be a hot take, but it, it would have a little spice to it. Just a little? I mean, a little. Miami's... At least not good. You may not call them bad, but they're certainly not good. And I mean, I think Florida defensively is going to surprise some people. And if you look at Graham Mertz's performance in twenty twenty three, played pretty well. He was okay. Played He's certainly well. not bad. Uh, so that that might be that's a loser leaves town game. I mean, I, we'll, we'll talk about that all season. But that is a loser leaves town game. Could very well be. And then after after the game against Mississippi State, Florida has an open date. And then they come home to host UCF. <laughs> four, four of their first five are at home, and three of those four are against Miami, Texas A&M, and UCF. And do you think UCF will be geeked up for that game? Ooh. ooh. That'll, be, that'll be a tough assignment for the, uh, for the Florida Gators, which, which makes – which makes that game against Mississippi State even bigger. Yeah. Florida's looking at that game the same way State is. That like That's a game we've got to get. That's a game, if we want to go to a bowl game, that's a game we have to have. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to see two teams that, if they want to go to bowl games, they need to get a win there. And it's, it's kind, of, kind of similar to what we're dealing with tonight in basketball. It, it, there's some must-win, uh, there's a whiff of must-win to it. But at the same time, that's the fourth game of the season. So that tells you about those teams and how precious some wins are going to be for them. Mississippi State now leads 8-4 to four over Austin P. Six of their eight runs have come via bases-loaded walks. Yeah. This is what would have happened yesterday, but State was really undisciplined at the plate and just chased a lot of bad pitches. Yeah. Uh Francis is hanging out in my office while we're doing the show. She's gotten into the uh, football season spirit. I- I'll show you. She just handed me a picture that she's drawn. Mm-hmm. She's got. Uh, she drew a picture of. Let's see. There we go. Lane Tiffin and Juice. Yeah. That's I, I, a great I, that, picture. That was not an assignment that uh, that I made for her. She just brought it over and handed it to me. So she's just hanging out and drawing and having a good time. You should have she's announced that spirit. like uh, like Walter Cronkite. We just got this in from the desk. Allow me to show this to our listeners. I wish she could draw up some runs for Ole Miss baseball as the uh, the Rebels are trailing 4 nothing and batting in the bottom of the fifth inning uh, against Arkansas State at home. Big crowd 
Uh, looks like a really good crowd for the uh, season home opener, I guess, as you would expect with the weather like it is. Yeah, they're getting treated to um, baseball, technically. So yeah, they, yeah. they're getting what they paid for. Um, we get a message on the ceasefire text line, and, and I guess we'll spend probably the last half hour of the show talking about the basketball game tonight. Mississippi State and Ole Miss coming up from Humphrey Coliseum. Somebody said my fishy line is Mississippi State minus six and a half. I'm headed to Pearl River Resort, and I'm taking the points. And, and hey, Dad, that's not from Bo in Indianola, by the way. It's not. Bo was with us earlier, said, hey, I'm, I'm with you guys regardless. We appreciate that, Bo, and appreciate all of you that are uh, listening, not just today, but every day. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I think that that's a fishy line. It, it's not fishy. I mean, you can certainly think that Ole Miss is going to cover that or even win the game. That's, that's, there's nothing against that. If State was like an eight or a nine-point favorite, that would be fishy. Mm-hmm. But at six and a half, I mean, I tell you the final score of this game is State wins seventy-six sixty. I mean, State doesn't cover that, but I mean that's not that's not out of the realm of possibility. Wait, what did you say the score would be? Seventy-six sixty. I'm sorry, seventy-six seventy. I'm sorry. I was going to say a sixteen-point win. That's uh, I think that's a cover comfortably. That would cover, yes. Yeah, we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ole Miss gets a run in the bottom of the fifth inning, got a uh, one-out base hit from Jackson Ross, the FAU transfer, to drive in Luke Hill, who walked and stole a base and got a third on a balk, the Arizona State transfer. So, 4-1, to one, headed to the top of the sixth inning. Hey, Dad, you said you thought people would be done with uh, baseball in time for basketball tonight. Maybe they will, but... Uh, Moving at a bit of a glacial pace this afternoon in Starkville with all of the walks from uh, Austin P. 8-4 state leading it in the bottom of the fourth inning over Austin P. It is not trending towards uh, being done in, uh, in a timely fashion. We'll put it that way. No. No, it is uh, It is not. I think so, we jinxed that, by the way. Yeah, well, it happens. Pro- probably so. All right. Who's I did that tonight? at the SEC tournament one time. We were, it was the first year I was on the show. I said, "Yeah, things are progressing in such a way. If the games continue, that state should you know, start on time and get out of there at a reasonable hour." And that was the time they played 19 innings with LSU. Oh, you meant at the SEC baseball tournament? I was thinking basketball. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, I, yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Did you make it to the end of that one? Oh, <laughs> absolutely! And did the podcast from the uh, the hotel lobby so as not to wake a. A certain uh, co-host at that time up. Uh, that's uh, that's fair. I uh, I think I left and ended up watching the uh, last six innings or so at the hotel, if I remember Lucky correctly. You. But that was uh, that was a long time ago. It was. Uh, all right. So this game tonight, we um, when we when we saw it a few weeks ago, we talked a lot about matchups. We talked a lot about impact players and who. 
had a chance to affect the game. Hey, Dad, you talked in that particular game about, okay, who's the guy that nobody knows from Ole Miss that's going to step up and is going to play well? Turned out there was one of those guys. It was T.J. Caldwell. 18 points in that game. Only time this season that he scored double figures in a game. Yep. Does that hold true on the road as well? Is there somebody that's, like, off the radar? It held for Blake Henson. Mm, it did. Yeah, it held, uh, it held, oh, it was a couple years ago. I mean, Brian Tyree had a big game here once. Um, I yeah, mean, but he was a yeah. mainstream player. I, if I was going to give you somebody... He, to... he, he, he found another level against Mississippi State. I'm pretty sure for his career, he averaged 43 points a game against Mississippi State. <laughs> 43 a game, okay. Like, what if I gave you this guy as a candidate that nobody's talking about that maybe is due for a big game? Brandon Murray. Hmm? That would be a good one. See a possibility? I mean, this guy had a really good career at Georgetown. He was at LSU and then Georgetown and um, now at Ole Miss. And has not, he, he's not scored in double figures a single game this year. I don't know that his game – I don't know that he gets enough minutes – he would have to really produce when he was on the floor early to justify enough minutes to go out and give you a game where he scores 14 or 16. But frankly, T.J. Caldwell did that. I, that's, that's what I was about to say. It isn't the same thing about T.J. Caldwell. He went out there and hit shots, so they kept him in the game. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get minutes is make, your, is make buckets. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, literally, look at the Ole Miss stat sheet. Anybody averaging six and a half or less a game, that's a candidate tonight. <laughs> Uh, this matchup is so interesting uh, because, uh, like for State, for example, th- they're going to need Matthews or somebody, I think, to-, to step up and have one of those games because I-, I think that Ole Miss presents some challenges to Mississippi State offensively that, that can limit them. Uh, despite their complete lack of offensive game, uh, Cissé and Sharp uh, showed you that they were able to defend Tolu. And so that that's a at least a matchup where you don't expect dominance from one side. And Ole Miss has big athletic guards that you saw in the second half in Oxford that kept Hubbard in check. So if if Ole Miss is able to do that again, they're going to need a third score, a third offensive option for State because those two things don't necessarily quote-unquote favor Ole Miss because of how good those two guys are, but Ole Miss has shown that they can limit those two guys. I feel that Cam Matthews has reached a point with me that I kind of expect contributions at this point. I expect 12, 13 points and 7 to 10 rebounds from Cam Matthews. So it's got to be another guy. It might have to be a Shaq Moore. You know, it was Deshaun Davis in Oxford a few weeks ago. I don't know that he's good for 15 points again, but... Maybe a Keyshawn Murphy, you know, a big who can stretch the floor a little bit and get those guys out of the lane could could be could be key for Mississippi State if he can hit a couple of early shots. Hubbard at twenty one in the first meeting. You going over or under twenty one for Josh Hubbard tonight? I'll go under. I'll go under. I mean, twenty one's a lot, but I mean, he could still be. I still think he'll be around seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. And has kind of been a volume shooter. I mean, he is not afraid to pull the trigger and clearly has got the clearance to do that as well. Another thing with Hubbard is, and I'm not saying it's going to happen tonight, he's going to have a game where he just hits seven or eight threes. 
and finishes the game with 33, 35 points, something like that. It's funny you said that. I was just thinking he he has not yet had that game, at least that I can remember, where he goes 8-11 for three. For that. Say again? He had, a, he had a really good game against Tulane earlier this year. Where the whole team was, was, was shooting hot in that game. But as I recall, he he was. I mean, the state scored 106 in that game. I'm trying to, he had 22 in the first half, and fit, or he finished with 22. So yeah, he, he didn't play much in the second half. But he was, uh, from a shooting perspective, in that game off the bench. He had he was seven of ten, five of seven from deep in 22 minutes. You remember Mark Dukes was on with us before the first Ole Miss Mississippi State meeting, and we asked him who the most important player was for Ole Miss, and he didn't even hesitate when he said Jamin Brakefield. I I don't know what his answer would be to that question right now, but if you ask me that question, with the way that he's been playing, it's Matthew Morrell. He's just playing at such a high level. We gave you the numbers yesterday over the last five games. He's top, was he fifth in the SEC, fifth or sixth in the SEC in scoring. He's playing 35 minutes a game, which is the most of anybody in the SEC. Over these last five games, he's averaging, what, 18, 19 points a game with almost five rebounds and a couple of steals. Um, He's doing everything well, and he's being efficient. He's not doing it on a ton of shots. Um, You know, he he took, what, 10 shots for Ole Miss against against Missouri on Saturday and hit seven of them. Which Borky would argue that, what, he should have 17 shots tonight? Uh, Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's anything less than seventeen, then or fewer than seventeen, Ole Miss is is doing a disservice with the way he's playing lately. Yeah, and he's another one of those guys. When he was a true freshman, he had a huge game against Mississippi State before anybody really knew who he was. Telling you, there's going to be a guy that does it tonight. It happens every time. Richard Williams reminded us, and we talked with him about this last time. State switches so much that it's hard to isolate a defensive matchup where you're like, you know what, this is the matchup that you got to watch. Because we were asking about Ole Miss in terms of guarding um, Josh Hubbard. And we talked about the matchup with you know Jalen Murray, Juju Murray uh, against Hubbard. And he said, well, you know, on, on the defensive end, you'll get that some, but there's going to be so much switching. Defenses, opposing defenses – have had, and, and Murray had a good game against Missouri. He, he, he got going. He was four of eight from behind the arc. But in the handful of games before that, opposing teams have put bigger guards on Jalen Murray, and he has not handled that particularly well. Even though Mississippi State switches a lot, do you think they do something like that, hey, Dad, where they try to get one of the bigger guys on the floor? on him, or is this going to be, uh, for the most part, it's Deshaun Davis or Shaq Moore that's guarding Murray? Or yeah, Hunter. that's the question. Like, Who do you who do you put there? You know, who, who, are you going to tell Cam Matthews to guard him? I, I don't know if you want to do that or not. Or, do you want to put Sean Jones on him? I mean, that's a possibility, I guess, who's, who's got some length and some size. But I, I don't know. But, but what Coach Williams is saying is true. You know, they, they switch so much, I don't know that it really and, and truly makes a difference. I think the thing that interests me about this game is that both teams played so poorly on Saturday. I think we both agree that if, if Ole Miss had been playing somebody other than Missouri, if they had been playing somebody other than Arkansas, they'd have been in real trouble. They probably they might have both lost. 
So what happens tonight? Do they both play down again, or do they come back up again? I mean, we could have a good, close basketball game either way, but both both teams need to bounce back. If one bounces back and the other doesn't, could have a, a blowout. Yeah. That's uh, certainly a, a possibility. 8 o'clock tip-off tonight. Humphrey Coliseum game is sold out. There are some tickets that I've seen still on the secondary market. Uh, I think Morky pointed out on Twitter earlier today that those are actually pretty reasonably priced. So if you, you want to go to this game, you can still get tickets um, for the game. Let's see. Uh, $14 looks like to get in the door price. Um, that line is settled. That, that Kentucky-LSU line that we talked about earlier where – Kentucky's a five and a half point favorite. It's actually gone down today. It was six and a half this morning. When, when we all talked this morning around nine o'clock, which means more money has come in on LSU, which is really, really strange. Georgia's at Vanderbilt tonight, where Georgia's a one and a half point favorite, and uh, Florida is at Alabama Crimson Tide, an eight and a uh, nine and a half point favorite. That number has actually gotten bigger as the day has gone along. Final segment coming up next. We'll wrap it up with you after this in the the Pearl River Resort Studios. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Headed to the seventh inning at Swayze, Arkansas State leading four to one over Ole Miss in Starkville, Mississippi State is in the bottom of the fifth inning, lead, leading eight to five over Austin Peay. So the Governors got a run in the top of the fifth inning to make it a three-run game. Mississippi State eight runs on two hits. Arkan, uh, excuse me. Um, Austin P five runs on five hits. Just if you're curious oh, uh, about the line score in the Ole Miss game, Arkansas State four runs on eight hits with no errors. Ole Miss a run on three hits with no errors. Yeah, I told Borky during the break that talk about baseball. State has eight runs on two hits and they're winning. Ole Miss has three hits but only one run and they're losing. But we talked about State from this perspective earlier in the show. Um, they they may come back in this game. And if they do, fine. It's Arkansas State. They'll have an RPI somewhere in the 200s. Um, And they certainly can improve. Teams get better as seasons go on. It has happened before. At the present, Ole Miss is a bad baseball team. It's not jet lag. It's not that's baseball. They're bad. At the moment, they're bad. They don't necessarily have to stay bad forever. But this isn't anything other than they are bad. They're coming off of a disaster season, and they look just as bad. At the present, they're a bad baseball team. They do routine things poorly. Their approach at the plate is terrible. Even body language looks like crap. They are bad at the moment. It's just that simple. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. Um, and And missing... It's like... It doesn't feel like you should have a crisis of confidence five games into the season. But that's what it looks like. And that, but, but, that's what yeah, I mean by bad body language. Not that they're, like, infighting and they're, they're going to... Yeah. They, they don't, they're not carrying themselves with confidence at all. No. 
at, at this point. And long way to go, and we'll see how it uh, plays out. They've been much better defensively today than they were over the uh, over the weekend. I was looking at you know live stats in this game, and hey, Dad, you, you were talking about Mississippi State being pretty good at the top of the order. Larry Jordan Hines chance hitting 350, 278, 333, 400. The next five guys all have a one for the first number in their batting average. Ole Miss has nine guys in its batting order, as is normally the case. Ethan Leger is hitting 429, and that's with an 0 for 3 day today. The highest batting average of the other eight is 214. Those numbers will come up. I mean, they are a better offensive team than that by a lot. But you don't expect to be hitting like 150 as a team through five games. You just don't. Especially when you play Hawaii and Arkansas State. All sub, going to be sub 100 or worse in the RPI. Yeah, I don't know what what Hawaii is going to end up being. I mean, they're going to win a bunch they of home what, games. 80 last year? Somewhere in there. Yeah, I mean, they're going to win a bunch of home games. they got a coach that's won 1,000 games in his career. Or, I mean, they, uh, Hawaii's going to be okay. But. There were 76 this season, yeah. Okay. So. But still, I mean, we're talking about a team that is expected to host regionals more often than they miss yeah. the postseason. Yeah. All right. Two minutes left. Big basketball game tonight. Most important thing in this game tonight. Hey, Dad, what is it? Tolu Smith. He's got to show up. He didn't show up in Oxford, and that was a, a big reason. You know, And you mentioned Morrell earlier. When you want to win, when you want to beat good teams, your best players have to show up. Tolu Smith mm-hmm. is the best player on the team. He's, he's got to show up for Mississippi State. They need a double-double, and they need it to be an effective double-double. It's not enough to, you know, late in the game, pile up some points and get a couple of cheap rebounds. He needs to be exerting himself and dominating the paint against this Ole Miss uh, defense. Borky, most important thing? Uh, making shots. I know that's very elementary. Thank you, However, uh, I mean, Ole Miss has struggled on the road because they are missing open looks. They are a, they are a good shooting team. They are. Um, but in Lexington, they rebounded well, they defended well, but they just missed open shots. If they play the way they played at Kentucky, they'll win tonight. If those open looks turn into made shots, everything else was good except for that. If they make shots, they have a really good chance at winning. If they struggle from the outside, they, they might get blown out tonight. I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit. Ole Miss's two best players have got to play like their two best players tonight. Matthew Morrell, Jamin Brakefield, both veterans, both been to Starkville. They've they've handled that environment before. They've seen that environment. They've played in Lexington this year. They've played in Knoxville. Yes, it's a rivalry game. Yes, it's sold out. It's going to be loud. It's going to be hostile. But those two guys have got to elevate if Ole Miss is going to sweep the season series against Mississippi State, at least in the regular season. Got a chance to be a great basketball game tonight. You can hear it on the Super Talk stations tonight, 7.30 airtime on either the Mississippi State or the Ole Miss radio network, and you can watch it on ESPN2. Dave Neal and Mark Wy- and uh, John Sunvold on the call for the 8 o'clock tip-off. Today's been a bit of a winding adventure for us. Thanks for sticking with us. For Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Enjoy your Wednesday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.